Reading roulette.net. You are a clever American spy. Your code name is Jonah. On a special mission to Deception Island off the coast of Greenland, you discover a secret of worldwide importance. But for reasons you'll understand when you read the story, it may be dangerous to reveal this secret to anyone. What will you do? If you decide to be loyal and tell the U.S. government, turn to page 88. If you decide to play it safe and keep the secret to yourself, turn to page 89. Dude, ride, please. Really, Mammoth. The orchestra opens a program with old Johnny. Welcome to Reading Roulette, the world's only choose-your-own-adventure literary podcast. I'm Bill Lyon. And I am Brian Ward. And this week, we're taking on choose-your-own-adventure number six, Your Code Name is Jonah by Edward Packard, illustrated as always, by Paul Granger. Yeah, he hasn't had a day off in, in the late 70s, early 80s. He was just chained to that desk. Give this man a vacation. Illustrators, Illustrators Union. Union. Absolutely. <laughs> haven't broken the Illustrators Union yet. Hoffa's body is still fresh. Oh, that's right. This morning I was looking over the book reviews of the Sunday paper and reading the lists of bestsellers. When did Hoffa die? I don't know. Let's not look it up. You know, that would have been a good one, right off the bat of doing these spy yeah. things. Hoffa. That would be like if Oliver Stone was writing She's Your Own Adventure. Would, would you be Hoffa? Or would you be investigating oh. Hoffa? Because both of those would be kind of interesting. See, they never they always make you you, this generic little kid yeah. character. But in this, except in this book where you're a spy for some reason. Yeah. That just happened to give me an idea. I was going to ask you about that, how you felt. Do you have a feeling either way about it? Little kid spies? My memory, not in my mind, but in my heart, says it was awful. <laughs> I'd like to recommend to you a grand bestseller in the field of dessert. Your code name is Jonah, number six. Brian. The name is Jello. We've done, this is our sixth one. Yeah. Uh, how you feeling about this book? Spies is not really that strange. I think it's probably a good follow-up. Dessert that's not only currently popular, but has been on the bestseller list for years and years. The giant whale on the cover. Do you think that he came up with the the whale theme first? Or you think he was like, okay, I wrote this somewhere. Your code name is Jonah. Now I gotta maybe write a book. The chicken and the egg. Do you think mm. the, the name came first? Or do you think the, the whales came first here? Yeah. All right, so if, if Edward Packard is Bruce Springsteen, hmm. he's just sitting on his bed in like a, you know, in a white t-shirt and his underwear, strumming his guitar, right? And just the words, your code name is Jonah, come into his head and he's just like, that, there's something there. And he's like, your, your code name is Jonah. You're my baby. No, no, something Jonah. What rhymes with Jonah? Uh, Yona, Lona, Fona, Lona. I'm so alone. Jonah, you co- You know what I mean? And he's and just jamming on this. Just jamming on it. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think that's what happened here. <laughs> <laughs> I think what happened is this book, let me just tell you straight up, I think it sucks. Really? I think it sucks. And uh, there's some fun in it. But I think it sucks. And this says to me, they got this. Choose your own adventure thing. Oh, it's catching on. Holy mm-hmm. crap, we're actually selling these books. We gotta, oh my God, we gotta churn out these books. And he's like, oh my God, I gotta quick get a book. Oh my God. And they have some kind of market research thing all of a sudden that says. Do you think there was research in this? Absolutely. I think there's. I think there was zero. Oh, I, big time. Why are they putting whales in it? Right? Why whales? They're like whales and spies. We can whales like, and spies. I think they're thinking whales were that hot sounds at like this time. Poison. No, we, you, listen, I'm quoting you from like, I think like two episodes again. Whales, whales where were. Where do you think spies and whales? 
girls come together. Because they're trying to get boys and girls to buy these books. That's what I think. I think their boys like spy stuff. Spies are hot. What but this kids... doesn't seem like a Bond thing. Like like a lot of these, when you have gadgets and things like that, it sounds exciting. This sounds like shit on your grandparents' shelf. These spy books, you know. Like, and ladies and gentlemen, that's a mighty important thing. Trench coats in the cold, like standing outside phone booths. That doesn't sound fun. And looking at the cover, this looks like a nightmare. Because it's a trademark. But like 1980, when this book is released, mm -hmm. you only have so many genres of fiction. That it's almost like it, like these these books are kind of formulaic, right? You have westerns. Westerns yeah. were still big right there. Like if you can see like the pie chart of what is possible to write a book about for kids, like spies is like one tenth of this of the chart, and whales is like the new thing. Here is the real thing. And so they're putting those two things together, and that's why the plot of this book makes no sense because he's trying to fit this stupid whale idea into this stupid spy idea and they don't go together at all. See, that's why I think it's so bizarre. If they did any research, to be like, the one and only whale trainer, Sea World mystery or something Absolutely. like that. Well, there is no other. Be like a ghost of a whale or something like that, or a ghost of a spy. You'll know that's incorrect. Fisher, rotten. rotten. <laughs> don't accept any substitutes. I, I don't know. And you can be sure every time of getting your favorite dessert. This is so baffling in the way that it relates to nothing. I think it's, I, that, I think it's, I think I, it's, that, I, that, but that's part of the charm because I think this is such a toxic narrative combination that it, it turns into this, this caper, which is, um, let, let me get this right. It's, it's not zany and it's not exciting grasping at all of these bizarre, you know, you've got a, a tape that some people can understand. There's like old ass computers. So full bodied and tempting as inviting as a fresh ripe fruit. It adds up to, to just nothing. I agree. Okay, I was struggling to describe how stupid this was. Yeah. The premise. The premise is the hole where all of this you're trying to dig out of. Yeah. So let's start off in the hole. Six levels below the White House lawn in Annex U36, you lean back in the big red leather chair in the office of J.J. Albert, director of the Special Intelligence Group. He glares at you through steel-rimmed glasses from behind a massive oak desk and taps his black briar pipe on the rim of a crystal bowl. Have you ever heard the sounds of the humpback whales, Albert asks you? They're like organ music, beautiful and eerie. Uh-huh, you reply. Aubert picks up a letter from his desk from Dr. Claude Dumont in Boston to the President of the United States. Dear Mr. President, while tracking humpback whales near Bermuda last month, we recorded whale songs of a type we have never heard before. The whales have a secret and the new whale song is the key. We are analyzing it with our computers. I'll advise you of our findings as soon as possible. Respectfully yours, Claude Dumont, Director, Center for Marine Studies. If Dumont is correct, Aubert says, it's important for us to learn the meaning of the new whale song before anyone else does. For one thing, it will help us find where these whales go when they disappear. What do you mean, you ask? Aubert chews on his pipe before explaining. At a time when there should be lots of humpback whales off Greenland, where they migrate in the summer, they seem to disappear completely. Since they can only stay underwater for 30 minutes, we have a mystery. Where do they go? Do you want me to go to Boston and talk to Dumont, you ask? Aubert fastens his eyes upon you as he pauses to light his pipe. 
I'm afraid your assignment will be more difficult than that, he says. Dumont has been missing for 36 hours. We believe he has been kidnapped by KGB agents led by someone known as Double Eye. Now, Double Eye is an awesome Bond name. That's a pretty cool name. Pretty cool Bond name. Yeah. Yeah. But um, immediately, the first thing that strikes me is your total lack of charisma. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, that jumps out of the page. <laughs> your password to pleasure. Your guy in Journey Under the Sea, I remember he was kind of a swinging hip dude. Mm-hmm. This guy is like. Yeah, on a, on a plane. And maybe that's an asset for him as a, a secret agent that he's totally nondescript. No, no flair, no, no, no charm. charm. If you're going in that Bond realm, you want to live in that suave, jet-setter thing. Easygoing in any situation, can handle anything. This guy looks confused, you know, just like, you know, processing. He's, he's like he's like Putty from Seinfeld. Don't you think he's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Eight-ball jacket or something. He wouldn't even have that flair. He's just totally nondescript. The middle of this book, this whale song, this giant shrug of a plot device, your guy is the perfect character. He's totally as nondescript and as empty as the whole main story. The perfect, your guy, his relations to some of these other characters, how he deals with these people, it's a total non-entity. This is a premise in search of a story. No story here. Oh, there's this big mystery, which, not to pat myself on the back, but this is just how stupid this is. I guessed what the answer was within the first page. I thought, well, there's probably some kind of underground tunnel between Russia and the United States where the whales go and submarines can go down there. And guess what? That's what you find out. But there's no way anyone could know that, right? So there's no reason for Russia to be investigating, looking for an underground tunnel they've never heard of. Only this scientist knows about it. And the scientist in his letter to the president, (laughs) the president of the United States, says, we've recorded some whale songs and they have some kind of secret. I'll keep you posted. (laughs) Well, guess what? The president doesn't give a crap. He's never opening that letter. Nobody gives a crap. And so like, so, and so, I have an analogy to this failed premise to describe how awful this book is and just this, maybe not awful, there's some good writing, there's some fun stuff, but just this stupidity because it it was almost baffling to my intellect and to my heart to go through this. It was painful. So here, here we go, Brian. The world hopscotch champion has discovered a hopscotch routine that can open a portal to another dimension. She has told no one She writes a letter to the president. Dear Mr. President, how are you? I am fine. As the world hopscotch champion, I believe hopscotch should be free of government intervention. Please do not attack hopscotch with your armies. Sincerely, Brenda Lasker, WHA champion. She's 12 years old, by the way. The next day, Brenda Lasker, WHA champion, goes missing. Her parents call the police. Okay, that's my story. That's an awesome, hopscotch champion. Doesn't that sound awesome like for a setup? It does. Now here's my reality check to that. All right, reality check. Number one, they're never finding Brenda Lasker. No, she's missing. Brenda is dead to this world. For our younger listeners, I don't want to go into what happens to people like Brenda when they go missing, but she's gone. Don't go looking for her. The cops are probably in on it. Don't worry about it. Brenda, <laughs> Brenda, I'm not going to say the word bisected. <laughs> Brenda ain't coming back. Number two, the president is never reading Brenda Lasker's letter. 
No one, not only the president, no one is ever reading that letter. That letter is going straight into the garbage. Do you know how big the White House mailroom is? Dude, the president gets more letters than Santa Claus. Everyone, every 80-year-old lady who has a pothole in her town is writing a letter to this guy. No one's reading these letters. She does not, the president does not get to know. Now, listen, in my story, this hopscotch champion has actually discovered a hopscotch routine that can open a portal to another dimension. This dimension has dragons, I don't know, like chewing gum that turns into nuclear weapons, all kinds of stuff that would be of a supreme interest to the mm -hmm. president. But guess what? The president doesn't care. He doesn't know about it. It doesn't exist as far as he's concerned. He doesn't have freaking spy agencies. He's like, hey, guess what? I want you, he's not calling the NSA and saying, you know what? There might be something weird about hopscotch, jump rope. I just have a hunch. Go out. Let's spend like a billion dollars to just send agents throughout the country to investigate jump rope and hopscotch because there might be something there. I just have a hunch and I feel like the KGB also has the same goddamn hunch. Okay, number three. No spy agency is being alerted when Brenda is missing. They're calling the cops and the cops are saying, this is like the eight, this is 1980. The cops don't give a crap that your kids are missing. Anyway, you just... Someone's missing for 36 hours? No one gives a crap in 1980. A scientist, whatever. Number four, no foreign agencies, heads of states, nations are giving a fuck about Brenda Lasker, World Hopscotch Association champion. Number five, no one is ever going to discover that interdimensional portal. The secret died with Brenda. It's no one, the whole, this, the whole, this Dr. Dumont doesn't want anyone to find this whale passage underneath Greenland. You know why? Because he loves whales, and he's been studying whales his whole life, and he feels like submarines and nuclear war are gonna fuck up his tunnel. Well, he's the only one who knows about this tunnel. So why would he be even telling the president <laughs> Why about would he it? write the letter in the first why place? Why would he write, all he has to do is kill himself. <laughs> you know, if he's so goddamn concerned, he's not writing a letter to the president. This premise is so stupid. Premise is so stupid. Forgive me, Brian, I've, I've gone on a rant here, but I have, I have one more portion of this where I fix the story. Okay, yeah, let's let's bring it together. Why, of all things, under the sun, why do they care where whales would go? Is your tooth still bothering you? Why would that matter? Why, why does any of this matter? It wouldn't matter unless they knew the ending to this book, which is that there is a secret passage from Russia to the United States where you can put nuclear submarines and fuck up the world. But if they don't know that, it makes no difference. They're never going to be searching for it. So I fixed the story. Are you ready for me to fix mm, this yeah, story? Please. All right. So you're a secret agent for a top secret spy division of uh, the CIA and Navy, the NSCID, the Nuclear and Submarine Counterintelligence Intelligence Division, or some kind of bullshit like that, right? Where you combine underwater nuclear shit and submarines, okay? So your boss, this Aubert guy, calls you in his office. The president has put us on red alert. Russian nuclear subs have all abandoned their posts from the Indian Ocean to the Straits of Gibraltar. They've disappeared. We have reason to believe they are amassing near Greenland. These sub, like there's nuclear subs missing. We think they're by Greenland, which the Pentagon is interpreting as an act of war. We need to find out where the hell those commie subs are, Jonah, before we face all out nuclear Armageddon. Nice. All right, so yeah. come right away, you're bam. Up the stakes, not fucking around looking for a tape. You got a mystery, right? Where are these, where are these Russian subs disappearing to? So you're spy, you're doing yeah. spy work. Just then, a new, befuddled, clueless, love interest, hot secretary, what's her name in Bond? You ought to see a dentist, Jack. A toothache can be very annoying. 
So she walks in, some kind of rip-off character, and says, I'm sorry to bother you, uh, Mr. Otterd, but Mr. Carey again from Cambridge, he says another of his professors, oh, the devil take his professors. Really, Jonah, I don't have time for this nonsense. You get a few DOD liaisons at MIT with a low-level security clearance who don't come home for lunch, and their wives think I own a goddamn milk carton factory. Really? This Auburn guy, I got two missing scientists. Twelve scientists, sir, says the secretary bond ripoff oh. by Twelve what? Twelve scientists have gone missing now. Dr. Dumont is the twelfth. Wait. Now we've got a mystery. Right, now Jonah says, wait, Dumont? Claude Dumont? Right, and like, that's how all freaking movies, stories, you have kind of this thing. Yeah. And he says, you say? You say? The director of marine science? I I've heard of him. Doesn't he study sonar? No, sir. He studies whales. <gasps> Okay, so now you now got we have a connection. And you have a conflict. So you're the spy with a hunch. You mm -hmm. got this hunch that I gotta go find these whales. I gotta find out what's up with this whale shit. I feel like this is the key to the mystery, to find these missing scientists, but your your boss, the CIA, the president is saying, go find these nuclear subs. You know, so you have some conflict. You have yeah, to, there's yeah. some stakes, you have to go against orders, you have to, you know what I mean? Yeah, and exactly. then these two things come together because that's what a freaking story is. You have two premises and they have to somehow come together in a surprise way and the character has to be the, the uniting link between two premises. Two, you need two premises to make a story and a conclusion. You can't just have one premise that you hide until the end of the story that makes the story. And now, ladies and gentlemen. One of my favorite parts of this book is when Obart actually calls you up, you're in I think Halifax in a hotel room. He's like, what are you doing <laughs> just sitting around this hotel room? Yes. He has to actually tell you to get your ass out of bed. Exactly. And you have to have all, there's all these things where there's someone's a double agent. Someone's a double agent with no stakes. So there's all these double agents in this book. And every like, time somebody turns, it's just insane. There's no reason for right? it. Right. There's no, we'll, we'll get into all this and somebody turns. Yeah. And it's not like a double cross. It's like, oh, what are you talking about? Yes, exactly. There's these fake, mind-blowing double-crosses that make no sense because there's no story and there's no stakes. There's no reason for the KGB to be double-crossing the CIA and vice versa. They're Nobody acting cares. against their own interests. Exactly. It makes and then no at sense. the end of that, when they fucked themselves, they say, you know what? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Russian spy. Yeah. Really? Because you just helped everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you, just, you, 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 you did what I wasn't going to do. It must hurt. Don't you feel any jumping pain? So I knew that, I know that took a long time to describe that, but I feel like we needed to establish how failed this premise is and how to fix it to really understand how weird what we're going to be talking about this is because this is a first a non-linear story and second a non-linear story that is poorly written so this is going to get confusing real fast <laughs> only when you mention it there's a shit ton of characters also yeah which uh, appear and disappear equally fast you go to a lot of different places for no reason, really. A lot of the, uh, most of the action takes place on, on a raft. <laughs> or, or in a dark hallway. You know, what kind of, imagine going to a James Bond movie and like, oh, I love this part where he's in a dark hallway. Oh. And now, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado. This is the big, the big scenario of this movie. He's, he's uh, on a raft. You know. Every Bond movie needs a, like at least a 30 minute hallway scene. It's like, you gotta have, you gotta have a car chase, yep. you gotta have a hot babe, and you gotta have a hallway. <laughs> Codename is Jonah, episode six, but let's get into it. 
Visit Center for Marine Studies. Avoid the president to chat up Italian lady scientists. Dangerous liaison. Cape Cod Villa Ferrari yacht. Paralyzed dogs with whale song app. Cool scientists tied to cool chair. Shoot out an oversized blazer and turtleneck. Italian science babe is double agent. Even spies get sick days for viral pneumonia. President and Russian premier agree to truce on whale cavern. Win two weeks vacation. Another president and Russian premier tunnel. Truce ending way boring. A Ferrari is a safe place to hide from attack dogs. Free Dumont but get shot for the crime of wanting a mixtape. Defeat armed woman by tackling her ankles. Your love interest, or what would be a love interest in a normal spy <laughs> book. And just because this is a young adult series, I don't think it necessarily puts that off limits. Right. Nothing has to be lascivious or yeah. nothing like that, but it could be exciting. Absolutely. Ooh, that too. She's insane, first of all. <laughs> insane. She is batshit crazy. And you have no charisma with, with a human woman. Not, not only women, but men, humans. Uh, anyone. Even the, even the whales you have no even charisma the whales. with. That's true. You have no charisma with the whales. Not to get ahead, but it's like, I think the whale's waving to you. No. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> I think the setup here, there's so many uh, 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 potential setups that you can, you can, <laughs> you can go see somebody in a hospital. You can go to a marine science building. You can look at an ancient computer. All this shit, it's just, um... We're back on the old merry-go-round. There's so many assistants. Every government assistant in, in, a, in a pebble's throw of, of a research center, you're gonna meet, like, two paragraphs in the beginning of this book. But it's an Italian scientist. You get the vibe that she's supposed to be kind of sultry. She's kind of like this, uh, stunted mental... <laughs> She's a scientist, but she never got over her summers at Cape Cod for some reason. She is like a femme fatale with all kinds of daddy issues and all kinds of like, she's on Paxil and some kind of like, she's on all kinds of crap. She is like a crazy lady. You know, when she takes this wig off, you think she's got the holes in her skull from drilling in there. With <laughs> Absolutely. Time like sure flies, doesn't it? Baby doll under the scientist costume. Oh. Just you know, when, when to... You wait impatiently for several hours until Renetta Carini finally arrives, a slim, black-haired woman with olive skin and luminous dark eyes. She speaks flawless English. Claude Dumont is convinced that the whales have developed a language, she tells you. <laughs> Do you think he's right, you ask? I'm sure of it, she replies. We have not been able to crack their code. They have cracked ours. They are able to speak to us, but they are not yet ready. What do you mean? Suppose, she replies, all powerful beings from outer space are plundering the Earth and killing off most of the human population. They enter our atmosphere in spaceships that travel at the speed of light. We don't know the aliens' language, so we can only broadcast a message in our own language and hope they understand it. What would you say? I would have to give that some thought, you reply. Of course, Karini says, the whales have been giving it a lot of thought. But right now, we must save Dr. Dumont. Do you have any idea how to do that? Yes, I do, Karini replies. The Russians will want to get Dumont aboard a Russian submarine. Their agent in charge of this is known as Double Eye. He owns a villa at Truro on Cape Cod, and he has his own yacht. We must stop him, you respond. My XK3 Ferrari is waiting outside, she says. You excuse yourself for a moment and telephone Obard to get his thoughts. 
hallway. As you do constantly, you gotta call daddy. She even makes fun of you later for like, oh wait, you gotta call Dr. Obard? Your guy is consistently, has nothing to respond as a main character in a book, who you are. This is you. You have, what do you mean? I would have to give that some thought. Yeah, it seems like I hardly get one paycheck till I have to start battling for the next one. Get a fucking clue, Backbone. Get an idea. You're a secret agent. At least try to be like, well, well what would you say as an Italian? What do you think about it, Russia? You, there's nothing going you on here. Brian! <laughs> you want to go riding in my XK3 Ferrari? <laughs> That is so funny that she mentions the make and model of the he car. He is in love with it. And I was going to look these up. I don't give a shit. He's like, Who talks like that, though? She's a spareen biologist. <laughs> yeah, she's, supposedly, I mean, she yeah. She might be being a spy, yeah. but she's like, why? Why does she have an ex kid Why would she mention that? It's like. I never doubted she was a scientist. And she'll, she told <laughs> yeah, me she had a Ferrari right outside. Right away, I'm like, this bitch is a spy. <laughs> you just gave up yourself. Hey, Brian. I know we're just a mad, but. Uh, what do you say we watch at the Super Bowl together at my five-bedroom, three-and-a-half-bath colonial on two acres? Just a ten-minute drive from some excellent school district. You got the granite countertops and the hardwood floor. You would just say, come to my house and watch the Super Bowl. You would say, you wouldn't give the details. You wouldn't say I have a five, you know what I mean? That's yeah. what she's doing. They're so funny. Yeah. Hey, O'Brien. I know we're just a map, but... What do you say we grab a medium rare prime rib and a Caesar salad with the extra croutons, maybe three uh, tomatoes? If I were you, I'd take my paychecks any way I could get them. In the film version? Uh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, of course. I don't know if they wanted to have a Sophia Loren. The first thing she says when you're introduced to somebody, we haven't been able to decipher this, this whale language, but they know they know our language. Yeah, yeah. What? How do you know? They, they've cracked our language? What the fuck are you talking about? They don't know English. And well, she contradicts herself in yeah. the next sentence in her analogy because she gives this analogy of space aliens coming here and we don't know how to talk to them. Yeah. And in her analogy, the space aliens are humans and humans are whales. Oh, so whale. she's saying, if, but we don't know the space aliens language. <laughs> yeah, so but according to her, they've cracked, they've cracked our human language, but they're not ready to talk to us. But they made this song, supposedly, that everybody wants to hear that has this meaning. It, it's insane. You're very lucky. Like this double eye, of course, where do you think a, a Russian super spy would live? Fucking Cape Cod. Oh, the Cape Cod is so funny. <laughs> There's so much to unpack in we this one. Go. See, see that's, the, that's what I loved about this story. Because the premise is so <laughs> silly that when you get all of these things adding up, I, I love what they do here. It's like this hysterical bewitchment. 17 rabbits feet. <laughs> She's crazy as a character of how she speaks, but then what she's telling you is nuts. And even the concrete details of this this spy. Left uh, well enough alone. What are you insane? What are you talking about? You nod and study the map while she concentrates on pressing the Ferrari to its limits. By the time you approach your destination, darkness has set in, but Karini seems sure of herself as she cuts through the dirt roads, through the scrubby brush skidding wildly as the Ferrari barrels through the sand that has drifted onto the road. Take it easy, you say. If we get stuck in the sand, your 300 horsepower engine won't do us any good. I work best walking a tightrope, she replies. A few seconds later, she screeches around a sharp curve and pulls the car off the road onto hard ground. 
I used to come here in the summer for vacation, she says. I know these sandy roads, the fresh water ponds, the paths to the blueberry bushes, and the dunes, the beaches, the pebbles on the beaches, the whole of business. That's literally what she says. It's so the whole business. Uh, uh, so, what is she doing summering at Cape Cod? This is Italian marine <laughs> biologist <laughs> spy babe. With a Ferrari. With a Ferrari. Hey, Papa. Now, what was I talking about? I want to go to a Cape Cod for summer. I'm so sick of Venice and all of these canals. Why can't we go to Cape Cod? I love the blueberries. I love the beaches. But not only that, I love the pebbles on the beaches. You were complaining about your tooth. I was not. Yeah, she's insane. You could also read it like, you know what I mean? Like this crazy, like, I used to come here in the summer for vacation, she says. I know these sandy roads, the freshwater ponds, the paths, the blueberry bushes, and the dudes, bushes, and the dudes. It's either crazy, it would be romantic if your character was like, said anything. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that could be <laughs> like, of, you're having a moment. <laughs> Take it easy. Yeah. We're talking about how the weeks fly by. And why does he you say 300 horsepower? She's got her hair blowing <laughs> in the wind. Make a moment out of it. You're gonna get sand in your engine. <laughs> Fuck you! Fuck you! This is the last thing you should be saying there. As not a, only a spy, as a main character, as anybody. Take it easy. Absolutely. Like, hey, take your seatbelt off. Let's stick your head out the window. Dude, I mean, yeah, I, w I would be playing this differently from Codename Absolutely. Jonah. I mean, I feel like this babe is ready to go. It you know what I mean? Like it. She's just kid basically kidnapping you in this freaking Ferrari, and she wants to make Talking a good about impression. Her girlhood. Her childhood. She wants to get it, and this is your opportunity, and you're just blowing it. Sometimes it amazes me how I can prepare all the ideas that go into this program. You know, I had a kind of a different read, too, of that, uh, the summer vacation thing. Yeah. I thought this was, like, this weird calm in the middle of this oasis. It was almost like our town, mm. where she was talking about yeah. all Grover's Corners, all the picket fences. It's really quite a grind. Wow, this is like actually some background, some awesome evocative thing, and like you can almost picture it. It sounds insane too, but but still. I can appreciate that, Jack. It must be pretty tough. You know, summoning up this imagination. There's not a lot of, by default, backstory for a lot of these characters. So when you see something like this, like, oh, very cool. Throw in some blueberry bushes, some pebbles and shit. I thought she was gonna pick up like, oh, this is the pebble that I used to speak to, you know what <laughs> yeah. I was like, that I used to tell my secrets to. So that was one of the things I actually kind of dug about this. But yeah, it's, it's very crazy. I too. agree with you, yeah, in a different, in a different, in a different world. It's the best, I think that's actually the best writing in the book is that paragraph. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what you're squawking about. She's got her own ultrasonic communicator. She's like, oh, I'm gonna talk to this doctor because we both have these unique communicators that we only we have. But then in one of these endings, she turns KGB. Why did you take us to the hideout? Absolutely. But Listen. it makes no Just shoot him right there. Just shoot him right there. Don't even bring, bring him somewhere else. Shoot him, throw him in a lake. Do you mean to tell me you actually prepare your numbers ahead of time? <laughs> Take him to the hideout and say, here, here's Jonah, kill this fucking guy. What do you know? She doesn't do any of that. Those voodoo bolsas? <laughs> if, if I have a secret that I want to keep from you, Brian. Sure, we gotta have everything right up to snuff. That you don't even know about. Don't I, tell me at all. I wouldn't tell you at all. Uh-uh. And if I thought you might need to, like, steal my secret from you and you were in danger of that, I would just never be around you. I would run away or yeah. I would kill you. Sure, listen to this. I take you to some kind of nowhere. I take you to Walmart. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. The the tracker was under this thing of dog food. And they, and they must have. Whoops. Yeah, whoops. It's sheer 
perfection. That double eye's too smart for us. Yeah. Bullshit. Why is she taking you right to where the missing Dr. Dumont is all tied up and then revealing that she's a double agent? So dumb. Oh, it is dumb. Tis. She's got a plan here when you're running away from these dogs, which she's triggered with this communicator. Well, well, say that's very good. She comes up with a plan. You can either go along with this plan or you can go to a phone and call your boss. And she rightly calls you on it. She's like... You're a terrible spy if you have to call your boss to figure out what you have to do. Get this. And you're right there. You're at the by the honey pot of gold. She's like has this secret uh secret whale communicator that she, only she like a locket and little orphan Annie, only she and freaking Dr uh and the, the scientist, Dr. Dumont. The straight shot for and they're guy. they're talking to each other on this whale thing. She's like, "Okay, he's in there. Let's yeah, go yeah, yeah. find him." And all you have to do is break in and break him out. And now you're like, "I got to go back and call my boss and see if we should really break out the guy I'm trying to break <laughs> like, out." And rightly so. She's like, you shouldn't be in this business. That should be the name of the book. You <laughs> shouldn't be, be in this, this business. business. Is that the same ending where you tackle her? Is that, is that the, yeah, I think so. You will never slump. You think a spy would be very coolly disarming somebody. He like fucking tackles her like a linebacker. <laughs> yeah, he tackles her ankles. It's so funny that they say that. Like you just take down this babe. I agree with you there. <laughs> So it never would occur to us that Double Eye was a woman. No shit, because she did everything in her power to lead you to where this kidnapped guy was <laughs> and literally say, okay, what do you want to do? I'm going to call my boss. <laughs> so insane. Why would she stop you at that point? That's exactly what she wants. She wants you to she... not rescue you. Yeah. So when you go, let's go back to town. She's like, great idea. Fine, Great go. idea. Let's uh, let's go away from this uh, scientist. I don't even want to find him anywhere. What about we get some blueberries yeah. instead? We'll come back. We'll come back tomorrow. Yeah, let's have a bottle the of wine. The whales would want us to, to do this. Whatever the fuck she's <laughs> yeah. gonna say. And I don't mean Christmas night. <laughs> my my favorite piece of gear. He's got some cool shit in here. Yeah. Um. Now where was I? What were we talking about? My favorite piece of gear is his insta flood lamp, <laughs> which just sounds like a. Like a lamp. Yeah. That sounds a little like Wile E. Coyote, doesn't it? Like the Acme Insta Flood Lamp. And oh, it's funny because oh. when you finally do find this Dumont guy, who's not much of a character, he's just this guy tied in a chair. He doesn't really. You were complaining about your tooth. Give off the vibes of a super smart dude. But if you think that you're probably been worked over a little bit, you know, you're tied up in a chair in a dark room. <laughs> fuck, this asshole comes in with his Insta Flood Lamp. I'm here to rip. I think I'm here to rip. You know, just like. Ah! <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm just, I'm, I think I'm fine in my chair. Yeah, I don't ever get to Cape Cod too often. They, they feed me great blueberries. <laughs> and this Russian soup. He's got, uh, this delicious. Got a delicious. I was not. Codename Borscht. I think he's just mean means Borscht, but I think he didn't know the word or something. Hey, what's the matter with your face? My face. What sort of security do they have here, you ask, as Klein drives you along the twisting streets of Cambridge in his old blue Mercedes. Just a uniformed guard and internal alarm system, he replies. In a few minutes, Klein pulls up in front of the two-story, windowless, gray granite building and parks about 40 feet behind a maroon Buick. Suddenly, the Buick begins to back up. It slams its bumper against the Mercedes. Another car screeches to a stop right behind you. The Mercedes is wedged in, unable to move. An electronically amplified voice calls. Both of you get out of the car. Hands up, or you'll go up in flames. You activate your radio distress beeper. 
you know the SIG helicopter is in the air within 10 miles of your car. It travels at 120 miles per hour, so there's a 50% chance it can reach you within two and a half minutes. The police would not be far behind. If you say to client, let's stall a few minutes, I can get us some help. Turn to page 34. If you say, we'd better go along with them. Turn to page 78. I love that choice. There's some really cool choices in this book, and that's one of my favorites. Yeah, one cheek isn't sunk in anymore. Get out of the fucking car. I'm going to wait here for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, what are you going to do? My left cheek is swollen a little. A little? <laughs> let's, let's postpone the inevitable for as long as we can. And they get bored, and they just light the car on fire, as, as rightly so. They're like, these guys are fucking idiots. We just want to finish out this journey song. It's almost over, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. This is my jam right now. Wait, Layla's got a, another yeah. part at the end. <laughs> yeah, it's like 1980. <laughs> Absolutely, it's Layla. Wait, I love the piano part. Can we just... I'll roll down the windows. You guys can hear it, too. No funny business. My hands will be up. I just want to, I just want to, like, ride out this Layla. It's all set for a long winter. <laughs> what, what I wanted to talk about here, Brian, was, um... Klein is the guy that he created the program to analyze the whale song. Yeah. That, that, that's one of these characters that just pops up and vanishes. You're right. We didn't explain this at all. Yeah, so you're on a mission on this new section of the book to go to Klein's college and break in and find this whale song computer, whatever the fuck. Oh, the pain will go away. So this book has a lot of planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh my God, and they're all named. Not the fun movie. No, this is just literal transportation. This is a partial list of some of the planes, trains, and automobiles you uh, will encounter in Choose your own adventure number six. Your code name is Jonah. Are you ready, Brian? The tooth is loose and will probably fall out by itself. Get your get your bingo bingo card. <laughs> yeah, if you're if you're scoring at home. Your rented Triumph BR50 coupe, old blue Mercedes, maroon Buick, SIG helicopter, XK3 Ferrari, yacht, Cessna 323 executive jet, motorboat, afternoon plane, the next plane to Boston, a helicopter, 727 Stratojet, the four o'clock plane, cab, rental car, plane, a plane, the Arcturus, a diesel schooner, it's Russian submarine. Raft, Russian submarine, a gray Dodge sedan with three Marines, a red Datsun pickup truck, a blue-green rubber raft, a Marlin 475 horsepower, 26-foot cruiser, a black Ford. Damn. Against the law to hit anybody that's wearing glasses. That's all off of maybe like eight pages. I could have done more. I could have done a lot more. So don't tell me. You know what's funny is how much fossil fuels all those take? Oh, man. You know how much ground-up whale pulp it takes <laughs> to, to pile all this You're shit? You're so... These are powered by killing whales. These are whale-killing machines. You think, oh my god, a red Datsun pickup truck and a gray Dodge sedan with three Marines. That kills like five whales a day. What were you doing in the meantime? What are these Fury Road trucks just... Just this giant whale carcass. You're at the gas station, just funneling the whale carcass into the, the gasoline tank, into the hole. Uh, go out, go out back and uh, kill a couple uh, whales. Kill the whale, we gotta fill up the Datsun. Yes, he'll know better next time. That's one of the first uh, SAT problems. If this is a no from the editor or something like that, they try to make these educational, or if it's maybe a gag. I think it's chloroform and white mule. You know, you're probably reading this in class to not do work. I'm with you. What? I think that is exactly what it is because these books wound up in all of our freaking library. Oh. I think they were putting crap like this in here to make it like appeal to schools like this. You're going to learn math through this crap and you, well, come on, that isn't an actual math problem. <laughs> it's not as bullshit. Total bullshit. Does the trick, though. If this, if this guy had a stronghold, get ready, boys. 
taught in yeah. schools. They had a class devoted to this, oh, and this would be the test. <laughs> yeah. You failed. God. I gotta study Jonah again tonight. <laughs> hey, what's that for? You wanna go play? You wanna kill some whales tonight? You wanna kill some, some baby whales? No, I gotta study. I, I, I failed my... <laughs> Every month in the year is June. My Packardisms. Talking about computers, and this is 1980. I find it kind of interesting you're talking about yeah, computers absolutely. in this time before. Well, here's one you haven't even heard yet. In the 80s, the, the floppy disks. Remember that, that 13 Ghost game? Yeah, the Tandy game. I was looking for that thing, no exaggeration, probably 25 years. Yep. Nobody ever heard of that thing. I just got back from the grocery store. I didn't know if I had the name right. Yeah. It was the, a game we had in our computer no lab at school, like in third grade. That's a good one. And it was so crazy. It's these gigantic ghosts filling up the whole screen, moving yeah. into this old West Town. I didn't, I never played it. I was too intimidated by it. <laughs> I always never got it out of my brain. Some guy just posted it on YouTube and I just went, wow, 25 years. Some people have bucket lists, jumping onto planes and shit like that. I don't want to do any of that. I just wanted to see this again. Me too. See this thing that haunted me. When I had the, like, a fever when I was a kid, I would see these ghosts and shit, like, coming out, like, <laughs> one of these, like, Indian sweat lodge things, and seeing all the spirits and stuff like that. Dead spirit on the side of the road. I didn't see that shit. I saw ghosts on the computer. Said he with a look of innocence in his baby blue eyes. That's how involving these computer things were. It, it was, was like powerful. from it was another so world. Yeah, absolutely. Play something, Phil. 12 seconds before the period ended. Like, Probably friends, I, yeah, that's I, I think I up. was up next. <laughs> Okay, we were waiting, do it like, next okay, time. Yeah. And there was no next no time. No next time. They never brought us back. That's what I learned from computer class. Either you do it then or either it might never be a next time. 30 years later, you might be looking on YouTube just hoping that somebody... This is why we have terrible anxiety, like maybe just playing video games and stuff. Like, I'm like, I can't... Or I, not playing them. I can't go to sleep. I have to finish this video game because I might never get to play again. <laughs> Turn that off. We're leaving. You don't understand. You know, yeah. now you can save games and things like that. You couldn't say. You spoiled the whole thing. That last line didn't make sense. I've been playing this for like two hours. Yeah. I've been playing this for months to get to this point. I might never be here again. Turn it off. You don't understand those words you just said, said in that voice, are like the epitaph to the tombstone <laughs> of... 80s childhood oh, yeah, video right. game playing. You don't understand. <laughs> I've put all of these quarters into this goddamn game. Yeah. I put my life savings into this game. Now we, we have, have to go. go. We, we have, have to go, go home to eat. eat. No. I've been here for two hours. I put my soul into this freaking game. Yeah, that age. Oh my a god. Long fucking time. All right, send me to Siberia. <laughs> That's just not something taken lightly. No. You know what I mean? Now let's forget our poetry contest and get along with the show. So this computer, uh, he, he says, I, I looked for it. Did you look for it too? It's, it's, it's not for real. No. Yeah, he calls it an AIM or an AIM-660. And um, there was something called a Rockwell AIM-65. Rockwell, I looked at it, it's like this military- <laughs> That's not an amp it's from the guy from Boston? Yeah. <laughs> it might be. Yeah, the guy from Boston. <laughs> This is why this album took like eight years to release Boston number four or whatever the fuck. Yeah, he's like the whale songs. <laughs> More than a feeling. Oh yeah. <laughs> More than a feeling. This is, this is eerie. And it rocks. Oh, see my <laughs> 
I really want to hear that right now. What are they now? trying to tell us? What, what, is, what is Tom Schultz trying to tell me? Oh, yeah. Nothing to get funny about. There was a computer released in 1978, a personal one of the first personal computers. Hey, genius. This Rockwell AAM 65, around the time of the uh, Apple II. Play something. What computers could have been possible at this time? You had the Radio Shack TRS-80. I think that's the one that we had at school, That was right? released in 79, and the Apple II also in 79. They all played Oregon Trail. That's it. Yeah, and could decipher whale songs. Whale songs. Song. <laughs> You think he did that in basic? If whale song, yeah. <laughs> go to line, go to line twenty. <laughs> if not, cash check and buy Mercedes. <laughs> but I love that uh, one of these scenes. You go to listen to this whale song. This big buildup. Oh, we're gonna analyze the whale song, and all of a sudden. Oh man, somebody's erased the tape. Like you dumbass. <laughs> you know, that's so anticlimactic. They could have recorded a secret message or something. Oh, you know, too late, Jonah. Yeah, you know, something. What was like a big song in like seven? Yeah. You know, like, like. Oh no! What? What? Oh shit! Again, they, you know, just yeah. like something. They could have played it up Peaches a little better. Peaches and herb. The uh, the uh, reunited. You dumbass. Political concerns then. No, it took this book to get the party started. <laughs> to kill the party. Well, I think that'll about wrap it up. Make sure to follow us uh, on Facebook at uh, Reading Roulette Podcast. Twitter. Shoot us an email. readingroulette.podcast at gmail.com. for Reading Roulette. I'm Bill Lyon. And I am Brian Ward. We're going to sign off for a minute, but we'll be back if they smash the head again. Do you right, Will it, Mammoth?
Yeah. Yeah. 